Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, welcome to this week's Quickie, our super fast take on all the adulting things that matter to you. Today we're diving into how to break bad habits and replace them with good ones because let's be honest, we are not perfect and we all have some shitty behavior that we could just live without. It's true. And back in episode 10, we did a ton of research on how to hack your habits and form positive new ones. So definitely listen back for a refresher if you haven't heard it. But today, we want to focus more on the negative ones and why we do them in the first place. Because once you have that clear understanding of what your triggers are and the psychology behind your bad habits, it just makes it so much easier to break them. A hundred percent. And breaking a bad habit isn't as hard as it seems when you actually break it down. And the first step is to understand the emotional cues that are triggering it in the first place. So back in episode 10, we learned about something called a habit loop from Pulitzer Prize winning bestselling author Charles Duhigg. Duhigg explained that habits work in three-step loops, which are cue, routine, and reward. And the cue is what triggers you to do a habit. The routine is the behavior that you then automatically do after the cue. And then the reward is the part of the loop where you receive something for completing your habit. So the key to start forming new habits or to change any bad habits is just to understand your cue, change that routine, and then reward yourself in a positive way that's going to encourage you to want to do that habit again and again. So now that we're all up to speed, let's get into it. So first off, get clear on your why. The first step to actually breaking that bad habit is to get crystal clear on why you actually want to stop doing it in the first place. Yeah. Because it's just so much easier to change a behavior when you know it's going to actually make a valuable impact or benefit your life, essentially. Yeah, 100%. So get really honest with yourself and let's be real. Like if you're going to ask yourself why you want to stop scrolling through Instagram in the morning, is it because it's actually impacting your life and like making you feel like shit first thing? Or are you doing it because, you know, all the wellness gurus are basically telling us right now that it's like bad to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're just doing it because people are telling you that's like, I feel like I always thought it was a bad habit that I sleep in, but that's just because other people say that it's not a bad habit for me because I stay up late and I'm really productive late at night. Yeah. So if it was negatively affecting my life to sleep in and or to sleep late, I would I would have a reason to change it. Totally. But it's not because that's just how my system works. Yeah. You got to narrow it down to like the specific benefits. Like if you did want to be a morning person, let's mm-hmm. say, it's better if you're like, okay, I want to wake up early because it's going to allow me to work out, which will improve my overall health. And then I can go on epic hikes and keep up with my kids. And like, right. it's a got reason. a ripple effect. It's not just because, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow told me. Yeah. So. Okay. Goop said so. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing you want to do is identify the cue slash trigger. And according to our boy, James Clear, author of the book, Atomic Habits, we always talk about him. We love him. He's the best. Yeah. On a very high level, most habits are just a result of stress or boredom, which is really interesting when you think about that. Yeah. And research has shown that habitual cues often fit into five categories of behavior. And those can be in relation to location, time, emotional state, if other people are involved versus are you doing this habit alone? And an immediately preceding action, what happens right before you do it. So take some time to get super micro and track your habits over the next few days or weeks and see how that bad habit fits into those five categories. Ask yourself, where did that habit take place? What time of day did it happen? 
what emotional state were you in? Were you super stressed out? Were you really depressed? Were you just really flustered? And then is anyone else involved? Is this something that you're doing when you're with a certain person or group? Or is this something that happens when like no one is around you and you're in private? And what happened right before you did it? Once you've written down some notes about your habit, review them, look for patterns that can help you identify what those triggers might be. And then you're super equipped to know, you know, kind of what's causing this. Yeah. And those steps are so key. Like it's pretty simple. Just five things you got to figure out before you're doing the thing that you do. And just Just bringing awareness to our life. (laughs) Yeah. And then the third tip is to replace the habit. So the best way to actually break a bad habit is to replace it with one instead of just stopping cold turkey. Because mm-hmm. once a habit is linked to a cue or a trigger, like it's really hard to just talk yourself out of doing it. It's, oh, it's yeah. almost impossible. And studies have actually shown that the more that you suppress your thoughts, the more likely you are to think about that thought or even revert back to that bad habit. True. Which makes sense. I mean, this is crazy. A study in 2008 uh, by Appetite found that those who suppress their thoughts about eating chocolate actually saw a behavioral rebound effect and literally just ended up eating more chocolate. That's like (laughs) so true. That's why I I don't have never been a fan of diets because I just get obsessed with whatever it is I'm trying to cut out and it just absolutely consumes me. It's all I can think about and I probably end up consuming more of it as yeah. a result as opposed to instead of thinking what you can't have if you can pivot that thought to like here's what I can have yeah and that's the replacement of that habit exactly like, if you are trying to cut out sugar for whatever reason then instead of being like oh, I can't have the sugar I can't have the sugar it's like if you love avocados too and every time you want sugar you're just like I'm just gonna have an avocado and sprinkle some cocoa powder on it or some shit for your Something craving in, yeah that's weird but you know <laughs> Might be good. You can, I think it would be. It's like a moose. (laughs) Then you're thinking about what you can have and it's less of like a deprivation mindset. Totally. There was another study in 2010 by Psychological Science that found that smokers who tried to restrain their thoughts about smoking would wind up thinking about it even more. So there's like, there's tons of studies backing it up. It's just, yeah, it's way more effective to replace that bad habit with another positive one in the loop cycle than to just, you know try really hard to put it out of your your mind yeah and when I think about like three habits that I've had that were really bad that I've beat one was biting my nails snacking at night and like over drinking in situations where I didn't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and now I realize that the way that I stopped them was replacing them with more positive behaviors like with my nails well a covid gross I'm not going to put my hands in my mouth during the last two years but I started to get my nails done which prevented me from biting them because like I spent money on them they looked nice I replaced that behavior investing in it and they look so good I'm sitting looking at them right now and nails have never looked better so (laughs) congrats it's been a journey it's been a journey um and then like overeating at night and snacking at night I just replaced with a nightly tea and Mm. I literally have a tea every night before bed it curbs any like sugar cravings that I have obviously like I'm pregnant I'm gonna fucking eat I had a Kit Kat last night with you like we're gonna have some fun you know but no but it's a good it's a good substitute (laughs) It, it is it helps and then with over drinking I just like learned to not put myself in those situations anymore like right that kind of happens over time with maturity but you know if you or even when I'm there if I'm realizing like okay I'm having a little bit too much and it's probably because I'm feeling uncomfortable like maybe I should go right you know yeah 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 that makes sense and now my biggest baddest habits that I need to work on are something which I just learned about which is called revenge bedtime procrastination which You're is basically both guilty of this <laughs> yeah help me explain this basically you you like are upset You're that you protesting not having control over your day by then refusing to go to bed yes so it's like even if you're not being effective or productive you're still refusing to go to bed because you're like I didn't fucking get to do anything I wanted to do today this day didn't feel like my own 
I, I'm just not going to go to bed. I'm going to stay up all night and do something really silly. Like watch something stupid YouTube videos of cats. Yeah, that's, I'm not, not even doing go, anything It's productive. like out of revenge against <laughs> the fact that you didn't get to have a day that you wanted. And so then you procrastinate Yikes. bedtime. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. And then another thing that I do during that time is late night online shopping, <laughs> which I really need to stop doing. So, and I know I want to change these habits because I want to get more sleep, especially with like a baby coming and like obviously saving money is nice to do too. And yeah. I don't, I usually regret the purchases I make late at night. So I feel like, what can I do? I feel like a better nighttime routine might help. Yeah. I'm going to do more things during the day so it doesn't feel like work is the only thing that I've got going on in my life. Yeah. And yeah. Just have a better nighttime routine. And you feel more fulfilled at night and you feel like less willing to like combat against your own needs. Totally. Totally. What about you? Man, I'm well, I've got a lot of bad habits. I haven't figured out most of them. Like I have no wonderful pieces of wisdom to provide any of you. Like being late and just in general poor time management has been a lifelong issue for me has not improved being a shitty texter not great not to anyone in my it's life knows that i just really struggle with it it's not intentional it's like i i just get texts and unless they're urgent or pressing i'll be like i'll do that after i've done this thing yeah and then i put yeah. it off and then i forget about it and then time passes and then i feel awkward and then fuck <laughs> um and being messy again since the day i was born always been messy so i'm still really figuring out how to be less messy and how to be a better texture that's going to be a lifelong journey but in terms of time management I have done some research into this and learned that I am perpetually plagued by planning fallacy which means I chronically underestimate how long a task will take to complete since I I basically just base everything on an overly optimistic view of like what I did in the past and how Mm. things work and it's like this Pollyannish idea that everything can just happen really quickly and I am not a fast person as Kaylin has noted this week (laughs) But it's not intentional. Like you just no, know. don't know, know like five minutes from 20 minutes. No. Yeah. I'm always like, yeah, yeah. It's just 10 minutes. And that's like not true. My family calls it jillion minutes and it's oh, really no. like a minute per hour. So I just have no sense how long anything will actually take. And I don't properly track my time to like bring an awareness to that. Yeah. So I'm clear on my why. I know that fixing my time management problems really matters to me because being chronically late causes me a lot of anxiety and shame. I hate feeling rushed. I hate showing up panicked. Yeah. And I just don't want to like let my friends and my family down by always being late. I know it's really disrespectful of people's times and that's not my intention. It's just uh it's just a problem I've got. So to overcome this, I have found that the key is to basically relearn how long certain tasks will actually take me. Mm-hmm. So like I maybe I think I can get ready for work in 30 minutes and like maybe sometimes I can, but 45 minutes would be more accurate on a regular basis and Maybe Google Maps says it will take me 10 minutes to walk to a restaurant or to drive to a restaurant, but then I'm not accounting for parking, for traffic, for any of these things. So it's probably going to take 15 to 20, especially if I'm walking because I'm a turtle when I walk. So, (laughs) you know. You are a turtle. I'm a turtle. So the biggest key is to just track my days and I'm just going to see how long it really takes me to do things over the next few weeks. And then I can allocate more time before any commitments I have. So I'll report back. You got this. You can do it. I (laughs) I had Gabe. I used to do the same thing and I would be like, oh, I just need 30 minutes. And then I had Gabe actually be like, okay, well, we're leaving at 630. So you literally only have 30 minutes. And when he gave me like a timestamp, I realized like how short 30 minutes can actually be. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm always getting ready in the car. I do full hair and makeup in the car pretty much. Like it's... Look out streets in Toronto. It's dangerous. (laughs) Don't arrest me. No, you got this. You're going to do great. 
The next thing that everyone should do is to track your progress and not worry about slip ups. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing. So try not to go in with this with like an all or nothing approach because we all know consistency is way, way, way more important than perfection. And we're human. Like we're going to slip up and make mistakes. So instead of being hard on yourself for slipping up or setting unrealistic expectations in the first place, yeah, just focus on how many wins you had. And you can do that by tracking your progress daily because it's so much more satisfying and constructive when you can actually see like you successfully curbed that habit five out of seven days and those other three days you slipped, but it's okay. You still got, I don't know, what is that? 75%? Yeah. Whatever. Do the math on that. I think later. it's 70. 70%. <laughs> yeah, 70%. And we have an awesome habit tracker. If you want to use it, you can download it for free at teachmehowtoadult.ca forward slash habits. It's really great. I yeah. highly recommend it. And the last thing that's that's really helped us and research backs it up is to get an accountability. Because if you really need extra help curbing that bad habit, having someone to really help you stay on course and someone that you can check in with regularly goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Research out of the Ohio State University found that people tend to be more committed to their goals and their habits when they share them with someone who they see as like higher status or someone who they really respect their opinions and what they think of them. Also just hot tip, share it with someone who like isn't struggling equally to you, but someone who yes. you almost kind of like admire and you want them to like be proud of you or yeah. that you just, they're good at the thing you're trying to do. So sharing that with the person is going to hold a bit more weight for you. And then the American Society of Training and Development did a study on accountability and found that you have a 65% likelihood of completing a goal or habit if you commit to someone. And if you have a specific accountability appointment with the person you've committed to, you'll increase your chance of success by 95%. And that is so true. Anytime I've committed to working out with a partner or a friend, setting those dates, signing up for those classes, signing up for a challenge, like I do it, but left to my own devices, I will not work out. It's so hard. It is like clear as day this is the way to get shit done so get a trusted friend to help you loop them in on your new habit journey and you're just more likely to succeed and then also if it's someone that is kind and just kind of compassionate (laughs) you won't feel shitty about being like hey if you see me biting my nails could you just like gently remind me to like take care of my nails you know and yeah get your hands out of your mouth that's a big thing (laughs) (laughs) I love it So there you have it, friends. We hope this episode helps you curb some of your not-so-cute habits and make room for some more positive ones. You can do it! Yay! So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye!